from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. On this episode of Newt's World... President Trump announced over the weekend on his social media platform, Truth Social, that he expected he would be arrested on Tuesday in New York. His announcement has brought the attention of his supporters and detractors alike to look more closely at the case and at the potential charges the district attorney in New York may indict against him. But no one has looked extensively at Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. What is his background? Who was his election funded by? And is he filing this case as a political maneuver? Here to help answer these questions about Alvin Bragg, I'm really pleased to welcome my guest and my good friend, Sean Kennedy. Sean is the policy director at the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund, co-author of the 2022 report, Justice for Sale, How George Soros Put Radical Prosecutors in Power, tracing the campaign money and political networks that supported the rise of progressive prosecutors, who of course, refused to prosecute. Sean is also the president of Virginians for Safe Communities, a citizen-led group advocating for the ouster of radical prosecutors in Northern Virginia. He's extraordinarily bright, and I'm very grateful to him for joining us because he's done some very original work that I think is very relevant. Sean, welcome, and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Well, thank you for having me, Speaker. I'm kind of fascinated from your work on Soros. You sort of developed an insight that's unique. As you know, on Saturday, March 18th, Trump posted on Truth Social that he believes he will be arrested on Tuesday, March 21st. Can you outline what the allegations against him are? 
The allegations are that he falsified business records in pursuit of giving hush money to the former adult film actress Stormy Daniels to cover up an affair. And this is all tied back to some of the indictments that came against his accountant and Michael Cohen, his former attorney, who are all tied into a series of different scandals, at least in the media, related to Trump's business dealings or political dealings related to his business in the Trump organization. But this case is now years old, and it relates directly to something that happened in late 2016. So the clock is ticking on the statute of limitations on this basically paperwork crime. So here we are six and a half years later, and normally, as I understand it, this would be considered a misdemeanor at most. It's pursuit of fraudulent business records. So it could be a low-level felony, but it's certainly not something that would entail a lot of jail. And in most cases, when these cases are resolved or disposed of by a prosecutor, there are usually fines involved or no jail time. And most of the people involved don't go to jail. They may lose assets or somehow pay a fine to the government. But rarely do these people get certainly frog marched out and arrested for committing what amounts to a paperwork crime. And in no sense was any money stolen, even in any of the accusations by the former president. And isn't there, though, a sort of history with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office? Yes. Yeah, so Alvin Bragg is the successor to a guy named Cyrus Vance, who was the longtime DA there. And Cy Vance comes from a very prominent political family in Manhattan. And from best we can see, Cy Vance was always a liberal or even a progressive to say that, but Cy Vance was not a radical. And the last few years of Cy Vance's term, he was getting a lot of pushback from the progressive forces, and particularly after Floyd, that he was less than pure. And he tried to tack to the left, and you can see that from the data and some of his political statements. But Cy Vance saw the writing on the wall and bowed out. And in 2021, series of people jumped into the primary because the Democratic primary is the game in town in Manhattan, obviously. And one of them was Alvin Bragg, who's a former aide to Elliot Spitzer in the New York Attorney General's office and Eric Schneiderman in the New York Attorney General's office and involved in a lot of liberal causes. And Alvin Bragg jumped in with the assistance of George Soros, for want of a better word. There was a $1 million contribution, the only contribution made to Color of Change in New York by George Soros. And then a million dollars appeared in support of Alvin Bragg. And then another $72,000 directly from a group called New York Justice and Public Safety Pack, which is exclusively and solely funded by George Soros, also went to Alvin Bragg in his primary. And he prevailed. He overwhelmingly won that primary. And because that is the game in town, the Republican was soundly defeated and trounced in the November election. And he came into office last year in 2022 as the new district attorney. Now, as I understand it, Bragg actually tried to back off and decided not to proceed with the case. And two of the prosecutors who were leading the investigation then resigned. I mean, is that accurate? Yes. Two of Alvin Bragg's deputies basically got huffy and went to the press and said that Alvin Bragg was not pursuing this fervently enough and that Trump needed to be pursued more vehemently. We actually saw something very similar with Tish James, who's the attorney general in New York, where some of the people in her office thought she wasn't being full-throated enough. And then suddenly indictments come down against the Trump organization within a few months. So there's a sense that there was pressure 
put internally on Alvin Bragg as well as Tish James to bring those indictments. So there is a history here of political pressure. And I'll bring up one thing that's curious about this, that it's now coming as Trump has already declared. And it's been, as you said, six and a half years since the offense occurred. And this case was already being considered under Vance, but they didn't proceed. It was considered all last year and it wasn't preceded by the district attorney Bragg. We saw something late last year, which has much more serious consequences for the family and obviously public safety, where a political pressure campaign resulted in the dismissal of murder charges against a woman named Tracy McCarter, who committed murder three years ago now. She killed her husband, who supposedly showed up drunk, and she said abused her. And those charges were initially pled out to no jail time, but the judge said that's not sufficient and rejected the plea deal. Then they downgraded the charges to involuntary manslaughter, and the judge again said that's not sufficient and rejected the plea deal. After a protest, a public protest by Color of Change, as I said, the $1 million contributor to Alvin Bragg's campaign and a series of media stories that they pushed, he dropped all the charges in November. So there's evidence already that political pressure campaigns have led Alvin Bragg to take actions. So the question here is, why is Alvin Bragg doing an about face after dragging his feet and not pursuing this case right now? You know, it's interesting. Tom Wolf wrote Bonfire of the Vanities about a New York financier who gets involved in a hit and run case that would normally have not amounted to going to jail, but that the prosecutor and the judge came under such enormous political pressure that they decided to make an example of this guy. It's an amazing book. It became a movie with Tom Hanks. And in some ways, Bragg is sort of engaged, it seems to me, in almost an exact parallel to that novel in that he tried to back off on, I think, thought he had a weak case. And the political pressure now has pushed him back into pursuing a weak case. We see this time and time again with prosecutors, and it happens across the country where political pressure is brought to the fore, even though there is no case or it's a weak case, and it's particularly not a good use of public resources to pursue the case or to not pursue the case. And it's deeply concerning that this is something that the district attorney in Manhattan feels is a priority for his office, but he didn't feel it was a priority only last year. Mid last year, he wasn't pursuing it. He wasn't full-throated in that. He hadn't gone to get an indictment in front of a grand jury. And now all the dominoes are falling and he's doing so. The idea that outside pressure is corrupting, and that's really the word here, corrupting a judicial process that is supposed to be fair and impartial and seek justice first and foremost, is deeply concerning. And we're seeing this across the country, progressive prosecutors, where political cases are being made against the police or against people that they find to be political enemies. And here is a case in point where why is this a priority in Manhattan that has been completely overrun by crime and quality of life concerns? And this is the top priority, and this is costing millions of dollars in manpower and other state resources to pursue in lieu of what? From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast 
is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Can you talk a little bit about how much Bragg has done to make New York more dangerous by downgrading what should be real crimes? that involve public safety. They're not just, as you put out earlier, it's not just about paperwork. These are really serious crimes, which he refuses to deal with. Yeah, we've seen a huge drop in the number of felony cases that are being disposed of as felonies. So they're being dropped down to misdemeanors, which often entail no jail time. People are running through the revolving door of the courthouses in Manhattan, getting slaps on the wrist to sentencing median sentence length is dropping. The number of people actually going to be incarcerated for crimes is falling. And the number of random and truly violent attacks by individuals who shouldn't have been on the street is skyrocketing. We saw data come out last year from the NYPD that showed that because of the bail reform laws, which are part and parcel of this push towards criminal leniency, we've seen a huge jump, actually a doubling in what's called the 60-day rearrest rate 
for a series of not necessarily violent crimes, but serious property crimes, grand theft, burglary. We're seeing people go from seven or eight percent of these people being rearrested within 60 days to 23 percent in burglary cases, 22 percent in auto theft cases. So one out of five people arrested for auto theft are rearrested for auto theft within 60 days. That means there are more offenses by the same number of offenders because we're not prosecuting. This is a prosecutorial failure. It's not the police. The police lock them up. The police are doing their job. But when they get to the courthouse, the people in power like Alvin Bragg aren't doing theirs. And the result is chaos and mayhem on the streets. The District of Columbia police chief said recently that the average murderer in D.C. had been arrested 11 times before he killed somebody. And that is not uncommon in these jurisdictions of lawlessness by the prosecutor. I worked a lot on Baltimore crime, and we see the numbers between 7 and 15 on average. The average homicide suspect has been arrested prior. Almost 50% of them have been previously arrested for a violent crime, and 40% have been arrested for a weapons-related crime that isn't necessarily a violent crime, just carrying an illegal gun. So we know that these are precursor crimes. So we're only allowing these sort of failures of the justice system to contribute to more mayhem and more violence because we're not nipping it in the bud when we had the chance. Well, in the midst of Bragg trying to make whatever Trump did seven years ago, basically as a paper issue, he also, as you know, issued a January 3rd, 2022 memo that is pretty startling in terms of his description of who he will and will not track. Can you comment for a little bit about that? Because the memo is astonishing. It is. And he backtracked. But we've seen this again and again, where they backtrack in the media, they get their press release saying, that's not what I'm going to do. And then he goes about doing it without putting it on paper as a memo or official policy. So he basically said that a lot of low level, what were considered low level, but are truly quality of life and often can be, you know, simple assault and things like that, that are violent crimes, but aren't necessarily top level felonies would not be pursued and certainly not be pursued for anything more than a slap on the wrist or some type of fine. And the result of that is to encourage people to commit more of these offenses, or at least to allow them to be free so that they can go on to commit more of these offenses. And then he came out and said, oh, well, that's not really what I meant. I'm not going to do that. You misinterpreted it. It's always a mischaracterization by the media. It's always somebody else's fault. And we actually just saw this same policy play out in Loudoun County, which I know a lot of people are familiar with it because of the school board issue there, where there have been a series of sexual assaults that have been covered up in the schools. And the prosecutor there was engaged in some of that, where they gave the perpetrator leniency who attacked two different girls at two different schools. And in that case, she issued a memo in January of this year saying that she wouldn't prosecute things like hit and run, eluding the police, and a series of other which she called misdemeanors, but in fact are felonies in other jurisdictions. And she said because she's overloaded and overworked with crime, but she also says crime is down. So it was a little bit of a cognitive dissonance there. But that has gotten a lot of blowback as well, because we've seen the same policy, whether explicit or implicit, throughout the country with these progressive prosecutors, including Alvin Bragg and the woman in Loudoun, Buda Biberai, Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, where quality of life crimes, property crimes, and other crimes where there's a perceived sense of inequity or some harm to the perpetrator based on a class or race or whatnot, 
will not be pursued. The irony, of course, being is that the victims come from the same communities as the perpetrators. So there's just more disadvantaged victims in pursuit of some type of justice for the perpetrators. And it's become a policy across the country, which has created chaos. You see it in Austin, Texas, where we have a Soros DA. You've seen it in Philadelphia. We've talked about in Chicago, in St. Louis. And in Chicago and St. Louis, the result has been, and Philadelphia particularly, has been skyrocketing violence because the same people, as you mentioned, who commit murder have committed precursor crimes that they never saw justice for. When you look at all this, and you've looked at this across the whole country in your research, what do you think these prosecutors believe about how the world works? I mean, they're adopting policies that guarantee that bad people who do bad things are going to be back on the street. What's the underlying ideological or philosophical or psychological rationale that you, as you look at these, not just in New York, but literally, as you point out, St. Louis, San Francisco under Boudin, the Philadelphia case, which may be the worst in the country. What do you think they actually think? Well, I think some of them are true radicals. Larry Krasner, Cheza Boudin in San Francisco, and others are basically under the sway of their donors or they have political ambitions that they think their donor class or their base wants to see pursued. So they're going to run for attorney general in Virginia. We know a number of the liberal district attorneys here in Northern Virginia have made noises that they eventually want to seek statewide office. We see others want to join sort of the social justice grifter industry, for want of a better word, run by the ACLU and Color of Change and other Soros-funded or affiliated groups where they're going to go on and make a lot of money as, and on a speaking circuit and get a university appointment as a visiting fellow or whatnot. But then there are true radicals like Cheza Boudin's family, as you pointed out a number of times, were actually both his parents were Weather Underground members who killed cops in the 70s and the early 80s. And then he was then adopted by Bill Ayers. You can't make this stuff up. Larry Krasner, before he became the district attorney in Philadelphia, sued the police department of Philadelphia 75 times. He is a true believer. He is not a cipher or some type of patsy for these liberal groups, but others are. I'm not convinced that many of them could tell you what they're even doing. They've been handed a script and they're following it. They don't necessarily think terribly independently. Some of these memos, these policy memos about non-prosecution are very cookie cutter. They're almost identical from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. In other places like San Francisco or Philadelphia, they were radicals before they were discovered by some of these leftist networks and they were just boosted by them. And many of the others are there for political ambition. But even if you take all that into account, what do you think they think will happen if they put murderers back on the street? They rightly believe, I think, that these people who go on to kill or commit these crimes are victims of a system. They believe in systemic oppression. They believe in a systemic capitalism as some kind of oppressor. They believe in systemic racism and that these are what led people to commit these crimes. And if only we pat them on the head and give them another chance, they'll go on to be upstanding citizens because they want to take down in a lot of ways the criminal justice system as it is. I mean, some of the same people 
who are now district attorneys use very similar coded language to the people who want to abolish prisons or abolish the police. And they really believe the criminal justice system is so irredeemably broken that there's no amount of reform. The only way to fix it is to blow it up from the inside. And they're actively engaged in doing that. And some of them really think that their policies have no consequence when it comes to criminals. And it's just complete randomness and happenstance that the same people go on to commit more crimes in their jurisdiction or other jurisdictions. And they had no means by which to solve that problem. From their standpoint, the person who just killed somebody is themselves a victim, not guilty. This is the old trope that poverty causes crime or that people who are somehow being discriminated against or oppressed are not fully culpable for their actions because people who've encountered domestic abuse or sexual abuse who go on to commit further crimes are less than responsible. And, you know, what I always say to that is I use the famous scribe H.L. Mencken. He's the sage of Baltimore, as he was called. He said, to say poverty causes crime is a slander against the poor. There are hundreds of thousands of people across this country who have experienced the same circumstances as murderers, who face severe mental illness, severe abuse, even discrimination for that matter, and they don't commit these horrific acts. And we're basically saying you're all the same. Because you have certain circumstances, you are destined and therefore allowed to commit horrific crimes against others. And that's sort of their philosophy, if I could boil it down to anything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise.
What do you see happening now with Trump and with Manhattan? I mean, I think this is going to be a bare knuckle brawl where obviously the former president doesn't pull punches and he's not going to take a step back and say this was a fair decision to indict. I think Bragg is equally going to dig in his heels and it's going to play out in the media. You can indict a ham sandwich, as they say. Grand jury indictments are one-sided affairs. There's no adversarial system. So whatever indictment comes down is not necessarily an unbiased one. But we're going to have to decide what are the priorities of district attorneys like Alvin Bragg in a city which is rife with crime right now and people feel unsafe and the severity and scope of President Trump's actions, regardless of the substance of them, is this the priority for the district attorney of Manhattan, one of the most populous jurisdictions and obviously the heart of the American economy? People need to have faith in our justice system. They need to believe it's unbiased. And this is going to call that into question. People who look at the totality of the New York justice system and say that the state of New York has one of the sickest and most dishonest systems of applying the law in the whole country. This is ripe with favoritism and ripe with selective prosecution. Is that your sense, or do you think that's an exaggeration? I mean, I think everyone from the judges down to the police is different. There are corrupt cops out there, and there are great cops out there. There are bad district attorneys. There are bad judges. On the whole, New York has a systemic problem with what the priorities are of the system and who gets what they want. And from the attorney general's investigations and what her priorities are, Tish James to what Alvin Bragg is doing to their predecessors, for that matter, where they're trying to make a political future out of prosecutions, not do their job. They're not letting the results speak for themselves. They're about having press conferences and turning a blind eye to the quality of life issues. I mean, people are being pushed onto the subway tracks in Manhattan right now. People are shooting up drugs in plain view on the streets of New York. That doesn't make anyone want to invest. That doesn't make anyone want to buy another condo. That doesn't make anyone want to go visit Manhattan as a tourist. And when that happens, people are in pain. People who work there, people who live there are less well off. And they're not serving their constituents very well. They're not doing their job as public servants. And anyone who would commit nepotism or political prosecution is just as bad as somebody who takes money to do something. Even if this isn't a complete quid pro quo for money, to do this for a political favor or ambition, if it's not the right thing to do, is still the wrong thing. You know, a friend of mine wrote me the following, and I found it so startling, I just want to share it with you. He said, the last three elected attorney generals in New York were Elliot Spitzer, forced to resign when governor for procuring prostitutes, Andrew Cuomo, forced to resign as governor for harassing women, and Eric Schneiderman, forced to resign from that office due to alcoholic binges where he brutally raped women. None of these men were indicted. The current elected attorney general, Letitia James, has not changed the basic policies of these three men, pursued political investigations without success, and did not look into the charges that her appointed predecessor, allowed many documents from the Schneiderman era to be shredded. A special counsel whitewashed the investigation of Schneiderman and then was appointed to the highest court in New York, the Court of Appeals. Isn't that all just sort of stunning? It is stunning about how 
problematic it is, and to bring it back to the topic at hand, is two of those three people were Alvin Bragg's direct bosses. Both Elliot Spitzer and Eric Schneiderman actually employed Alvin Bragg as a senior advisor and one of the senior attorneys in their offices. So this isn't a case where Alvin Bragg's hands are clean. He knew about these things. He didn't speak up. He knew the circumstances and the political prosecutions and the inappropriate behavior. He had to at least heard about it, and he did nothing. And now his priority, once again, is not to investigate the wrongdoing that is going on in the state of New York, much of it that has happened in Manhattan, which would be his jurisdiction. But what the former president has done, rightly or wrongly, is this the priority of his office? His hands aren't clean, to say the least. So there's a lot of questions that arise about Alvin Bragg, what his values are, what's his lodestar. You know, and it may be that this is the kind of unique moment where by taking on a former president of the United States, enough of a spotlight is now going to come down to the entire system of criminal justice in New York and in New York City, that it may lead to a dramatic sort of reshaping and reform of that process. Well, we saw that moment happen. It took a long time in New York itself, not necessarily the full criminal justice system, but the policing approach and the prosecution approach in the 1990s under Bill Bratton and Rudy Giuliani, where there were over 2,400 homicides in the early 90s a year in Manhattan. By the time Bill Bratton left office in 97, it was 600. And near the end of Michael Bloomberg's term, it was 300. The transformation of New York into one of the safest jurisdictions in the United States. Its murder rate was actually lower than the U.S. average, not big city average, the U.S. average. That was astounding. And what it took was a number of high-profile incidences of corruption and crime and just horrible violence to wake people up. And that's what ushered in a reformist movement under Rudy Giuliani and Bill Bratton. This whole case and the level of attention will be paid to it may be a real turning point. And frankly, your research, I was so delighted when you contacted me and showed all the things you've already been doing. It's really fortuitous for the country that you're doing the work you're doing and that you've put together the material on George Soros that you have. And I want to thank you for joining me and talking about not just who Alvin Bragg is, but the whole process by which the Soros machine has made America a more dangerous place. I really appreciate and admire your work, Sean. And I want to thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Thank you, Speaker, and it's a pleasure. Thank you to my guest, Sean Kennedy. You can learn more about Soros D.A. Alvin Bragg on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howe. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Pendley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.